there's no right way to live. You know, you can live a conventional life, you can live an alternative life. There's so many different options. And every time we meet someone new, we're like, oh, that's what we have to do. We got to live in a yurt. And then we'll <laughs> meet someone else who's living, you know, off grid. And we're like, oh, yeah, it has to be off grid. So <laughs> it's there's so many amazing things that you can do in your life. It's it's kind of endless. Yeah, it's too bad there's not more time to try all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 45 with Danielle and Matt from Exploring Alternatives. I've seen some of my favorite tiny house tours on the Exploring Alternatives YouTube channel, so I was excited when the hosts of the channel, Danielle and Matt, agreed to be on the show. This Canadian couple has been traveling around the United States and Canada and the world for the past several years, shooting tours of interesting, unique tiny houses and getting to know the people behind them. They've become very knowledgeable in their quest and have a lot of great perspective on what makes the tiny house movement so special and how to find the ideal lifestyle for you. I hope you'll stick around for our conversation. But first... I want to give a listener shout out to Sue. Sue sent me an email after listening to the last episode, number 44 with Vera Strzok, to say, wonderful episode, greatly inspiring, such creative and valuable ideas, fabulous resource links. I am wowed. Thank you for doing this interview. You are both generous, resourceful, superb stewards to our spectacular planet Earth. Well, Sue, I loved receiving your email, and I really appreciate that you mentioned the show resources, because I do put together a list of resources for every single show, and usually the URL where you can view those is just thetinyhouse.net slash, and then the number of the show. So this is episode 45, so the resources from today will be at thetinyhouse.net slash 045. And... If you like the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, I would be greatly honored and appreciative if you could leave a review for the show in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Your reviews help others find the show, and you never know, I just might read your review and give you a listener shout-out live on the show. To leave a review, go over to thetinyhouse.net slash iTunes. That will link you straight over to Apple Podcasts where you can leave that review. And thanks. All right, I am here with Danielle and Matt. They are the couple behind the Exploring Alternatives YouTube channel. They are interested in sharing videos about how and why more and more people, including themselves, are choosing to live in vans, tiny houses, and green buildings. They sold their house and their stuff back in 2012 and have been exploring ever since. Danielle and Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Ethan. We're excited to chat with you. Yeah, me too. So I'm thinking about what it's like to live in a van through a cold Canadian winter, and it sounds like it could be chilly. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely could be, and that's probably one of the reasons why we don't usually live in our van in the winter. Um, We've done it in shoulder seasons, like in the spring and the fall, um, and right up until it's been even minus 10 degrees sometimes. Um, but typically we tend to go away somewhere warmer for the winter or we house it um, because it's just so difficult. We know a couple of people who do do it, though, mm-hmm. and they're our heroes. <laughs> yeah, the win- the winters here are too extreme. Uh, it's it's just too cold. So you would 
you would uh, end up just being cooped up in your van uh, most of the winter and struggling. And also, I, I, I don't think it would be that good for the van with all the moisture. And mm-hmm. I think it would just destroy it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same. Here in Vermont, our climate isn't all that different. And, you know, my tiny house is able to stay warm. But I would say it it takes a lot to heat it, a lot more than you might expect versus a larger home. So I could only imagine that a van with even thinner walls and even less insulation would be trouble or tricky yeah. in the winter. Was your oh, yeah. intention always to to travel and house sit and kind of be away in the winters? Uh, yeah, um, it was, it just kind of happened that way, but, uh, it makes sense, I guess, because of where we live. So basically we were in the van, uh, during the summer and the spring and, and fall. And then in the winter, we either house sit, um, or travel somewhere warm. Uh, so we, we've done all sorts of different things through the years in the winter, uh, just to get out of the van. I'm curious about your story. I'm always interested in hearing, you know, why people decide to make big changes in their lives. So I'm curious, you know, what was the catalyst for you? Why did, what pushed you into selling your house and your stuff and really taking the plunge? Um, Well, when we first met, um, we both had pretty different uh, lifestyles. So I was more the kind of person to I wanted to work full time and maybe pick up a part time job on the side and try to save as much money as I could to, you know, uh, have a career and save up for a house. And Matt, uh, when we met, was an artist. So he was working part time so that he had more time to make his paintings and his sculptures. And uh, he also just found that working part time and just earning the basic amount of money that he needed to live gave him a lot more free time to hang out with his family and his friends and just, you know, relax and be sort creative. Sort of more balanced life, yeah. Yeah, and so that we were very different at the beginning, and I always thought, oh, he's just lazy, and he thought I was just a workaholic. And then after a few years, we started kind of seeing things uh, like a little bit more, our values or our ideas they about work started eventually, merging. yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I started burning out at work, and I could see the value of maybe working a little bit less and giving yourself a bit more space. And at that time we owned a house and we could not afford to have me leave my job and still be able to keep it. Uh, so we decided to just sell it. Mm -hmm. And And the house, the house, we were, we were almost maxed out. Like, uh, our, it was pretty much the max that we could afford monthly when you put all our expenses together. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, we, we couldn't like work less or there was no flexibility with the house. Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to make a change with our work lives, we had to sell the house. So we sold it um, and we traveled for a year with the money that we made off of the sale of our house and money that we had set aside. And um, after that, we started looking for online work so that we could still have the flexibility to be location independent. So that was really our goal. As soon as we got back from that one year trip, we were putting out the word everywhere, looking for online work that we can do from anywhere. And we, we got really lucky and we found uh, some online work right away. And so we've been able to travel and live in vans and, you know, go live with our families, help different people out when they need it. Um, so it's been really interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of moving around. Yeah. Did the YouTube channel come about as a result of the lifestyle change or was documenting this experience and kind of you know, exploring alternatives for lack of a better, better word. Was that always part of the plan? 
Uh, no, it wasn't really always part of the plan. I, I, um, I wanted to start a blog. Yeah. I always wanted to be a writer. And so that was kind of, um, a little personal project that I decided that I was really going to go for. And it took a lot um, of courage for me. Cause I'd always kind of secretly wanted to be a writer. It took a lot of courage for me to decide, you know, I'm going to start a blog and write about what we're doing. Um, and then Matt has always been a bit nerdy and creative. So he started teaching himself how to film videos and use the cameras and the video editing software. And he decided like, while she's writing blogs, I'm going to start doing videos. And it just started off um, as a way for us to share videos and stories about what we were doing, mm-hmm. especially after we got into the van. So it really started with the van. And then, yeah, we just posted one video tour of our, uh, camper van back then. And it got quite a few views. So we thought, Oh, okay, cool. Let's make more videos about different things that we're trying out. And, and then I got more views and more traction. And then, so we thought, let's interview, let's find people who are also trying things, uh, that are interesting and interview them and feature them. So it kind of just grew organically from, from us just posting that one tour of our van back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. And I also, there's this kind of interesting full circle situation that happened to us. Um, on our very first date, I showed Matt this book that I had. Um, and it was one of Lloyd Kahn's books called homework. And it was all these photos he had taken during his travels of all these alternative houses. So people living in tiny houses and in homemade structures and on boats and stuff. And uh, I showed it to Matt and he was really interested in it too. And it's always kind of been this funny joke that I invited him back to my place just to look at a book and it was kind of anticlimactic. But, um, (laughs) Last year or the year before, we ended up, we were filming a video uh, out in BC of this really cool, like, hanging sphere treehouse um, in Qualicum Beach, and we realized it was one of the structures that had been in that book that we saw, that we looked at on our first date, like, 12 years before. So it was really kind of interesting to see, you know, that we had started off with this, our whole relationship with this one dream, and then, like, a dozen years later, it was actually you know, it was still interesting for us. And it, mm-hmm. we were kind of following our passion. It just felt like we were on the right path. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. And we've always been kind of, there's no right way to live. You know, you can live a conventional life, you can live an alternative life. There's so many different options. And every time we meet someone new, we're like, Oh, that's what we have to do. We got to live in a yurt. And then we'll mm-hmm. meet someone else who's living, you know, off grid. And we're like, Oh, yeah, it has to be off grid. So <laughs> it's there's so many amazing things that you can do in your life. It's, it's kind of, endless yeah it's too bad there's not more time to try all of them yeah (laughs) yeah I really enjoy your channel because you focus I mean you do a great job of documenting these incredible tiny homes and vans and green buildings but you also really focus on the people and you know you get a real sense of who the person is behind the structure and and then you can really connect their personality with their choices that they've made and I'm curious if each of you have a favorite house <laughs> or structure that you've you've shot for the channel. Ooh, that's, Ooh, tough. that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. I for me, I would have to say we filmed a boat, a houseboat in Wakefield, um, in Quebec. Uh, the River's End. The River's the End. Of, the River Den. Uh, the River Den, it's called. And um I don't know that that is pretty amazing. It's basically a tiny house. Uh, it's about the dimensions of a tiny house, maybe a little bit wider, uh, but it's set on some pontoons and, uh, it can 
it can be used in the winter. It can freeze into the ice. Uh, and it's, it's just pretty amazing. It was built by a, a local, a pretty wacky local woodworker who's like really creative. So like everything inside was re made with reclaimed materials. And then there's all there's these big patio doors that open onto the river. You can jump into the river and go for a swim from the living room. So that's probably my top favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, I could, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you like that one the most. Matt's all about the views, and there's a rooftop deck in it too. And the water, yeah. And it's got all, every. And also, I mean, on top of that, we've seen like so many nice tiny houses that people have built and nice conversions of vans and buses. Mm hmm. It's so uh, funny that you you mentioned that one, Matt, because that's actually my favorite tiny house that I've seen on your channel. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I I was going to mention that I've seen so many unique houses that I hadn't seen anywhere else on your channel. So I'm glad that you mentioned that one, too. That's funny. Danielle, what about you? Um, I think mine would not necessarily be a specific structure, but one of our most recent videos about a woman named Beige living in her yurt, that was probably my favorite video to film. Um, she was just a really amazing person and so inspiring. And she just really was living life according to her values and everything she did. Um, and so that was just really nice to meet someone like that. And we just got along right away. But I also think it was the first time that we spent, well, one of the first times we spent multiple days um, getting to know someone and hanging out. It wasn't just like, you know, showing up and filming a video and then, you know, maybe never seeing that person again. We really built a friendship. And I think that's something that we both really enjoyed and we want to try to do that more. Um, so we want to try to slow down and spend more people, more time with the people that we film um, and get to know them. And I think it helps us share a better version of their story and their lifestyle mm -hmm. and share more, you know, interesting footage and interesting um, aspects of the lifestyle that mm -hmm. we can't necessarily pick up on when we just, uh, spend five hours with someone, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so that was just, it was really, really special. Yeah. That's awesome. You're, you're like the anthropologists of, of tiny house <laughs> YouTubers really. Cause, cause I think it really shows in what you do that you try to form that relationship and, and focus on who the person is in addition to their lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because we're also exploring those lifestyles at the same time that we're meeting these people. So it's not like we're just interested in it. We're actually doing it. And we're also trying to find a solution that works for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And something sometimes we question what we're doing. Like, was this really weird? Why aren't we just living in a house? Sometimes we miss the stability. Um, and then we'll go look online at houses and think, oh, maybe we should just buy a house and have a home base. And then we realize like, oh, the reason we got out of this is because we actually can't afford anything right now. Mm -hmm. The real estate market is crazy. And that's why we're seeing people doing all of these different things. I mean, part of it is, you know, just because it's fun and it's an exciting project. And part of it is because people want a smaller environmental impact. Mm -hmm. Some people want to be mobile, but a lot of it is like, we just can't afford yeah, there's a reason why yeah. tiny houses and living in buses and vans and RVs is is gaining so much popularity and has been for a while now. Mm -hmm. there, there is a there's an underlying reason. Yeah, there's an underlying reason. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were talking about those reasons a little bit. What do you maybe you could expand on that? What are what do you see as the reasons that this movement? has gained so much traction and just seems to be continuing to grow exponentially. 
I mean, I think it's 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 the the housing market is just it, it's been going going up in uh, in an insane way just for so many years, and things are uh, houses are just no longer affordable. Houses and condos. It's, it's uh, it's outrageous how much how much things cost here uh, uh, where we are in Canada and uh, yeah I, I don't know if it's the same in the U S but here it's I mean the prices of housing it, the prices of houses are going up so quickly and the salaries housing, are not going up uh, yeah yeah exactly. the same thing is happening here in the U S although it's it's very checkered there are places where you there are so many houses on the market where the housing market hasn't really fully recovered from the you know, mid 2000s. Um, but then there are places, certainly in Vermont, where I am, yes, housing has gone up exponentially. And you have to go further and further away from the city center to find something affordable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that here, too. And it's it's difficult, because if you the further you move out, the more you have to commute, the less um, things that you can access on foot. So you don't have that same kind of sense of community. You don't have the option of walking everywhere or cycling. So it affects a whole lot of different things. So yeah, we struggle with that. I think eventually we would like to settle down a little bit more, still have the freedom to travel a bit, but also um, I don't think we're meant to be on the move all the time and not have a home base. Um, It can get a little bit exhausting sometimes for us to never feel like we can Mm -hmm stop you know we're always looking like where are we going to be next month where are we going to be the month after yeah, it's that it's like we're always mo- we're always moving out <laughs> yeah exactly and trying to remember like who, where did we leave our winter coat and where yeah. did we leave you know our bathing suit or whatever so it's a lot to juggle it's a lot of logistics um yeah but now we've just recently built a new van to try to help us with that a little bit more so we can actually stand up in it it's got a bathroom a heater um and so in the spring we're going to take off in that van and hopefully we'll be able to just use that as our home base for now um, and be able to go south in it and then in the winter and then, you know, explore Canada during the summers. So hopefully that's going to give us a little bit more of that stability we crave even while we're moving around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because before that we had a really small, very basic cargo van that was uh, not very comfortable for, for, uh, for really long periods. Yeah, maybe you could tell me more about your new van, like, you know, what did you incorporate in it to account for what wasn't working about the first van? And if you'd be willing to share, you know, how long it took and how much it cost to convert and, and all those stats. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we uh, we bought a 2015 Ford Transit with a high roof so that Matt could stand up in it. It was basically the only high roof van that would give him headspace after we put the ceiling and the floor in. And that was really important for Matt to be able to stand up. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, we work in the van and it can be a really long day if you're just sort of sitting all day long. So basically with our other van, uh, we made a list of all the things we didn't like about it or that were uncomfortable. And we tried to incorporate those in our new van. So we've got a heater, we have uh, running water, we've got a toilet, standing room, um, we have, what else did we add in there? We're going to build, right now we have a temporary platform oh. bed, but we're going to make a bed that transforms into a couch so that we can have, you know, a little bit of separation between daytime and nighttime instead of just sitting in our bed all the time. And we have a fridge. Oh, and we have a fridge, yeah. yeah. Um, we still have solar power as well, so we've got electricity, we have lights. So it's uh, we're really excited about it. And mm-hmm. we made an effort to try to use natural materials as much as possible. So we used... Um, some locally produced uh, hemp insulation in the walls and the ceiling. We used um, cork 
in the floor. Um, we found some formaldehyde-free plywood to build a lot of it, and then we oiled all of the wood with uh, hemp oil. So as much as, I mean, obviously we also had to use glues and different things like that, but as much as possible, we tried to use um, natural materials because we knew we'd be living in re a really small space mm -hmm. and we didn't. And we wanted to try those, those natural materials and, yeah. and then if we're, if we're going to share the, our build and stuff, we wanted to promote something that, that we believed in. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did it take to do the conversion and, and how much did it cost? <laughs> oh, that was a nightmare to be honest. <laughs> so much work. We get along really well 99% of the time, but it turns out that we do not get along when we are building <laughs> a van. So that was really tricky. And it was just a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was pretty insane. It, it, like, it's harder than it, than it seems, I guess. Uh, it's made which, to look very easy. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I see videos of people like, I'm going to convert a van in a month. Like, yeah, say more about that, please. Yeah, you see, yeah, you see a bunch of videos online of nice conversions and people are like, yeah, I put this together and boom, it's awesome. And uh, it wasn't the case for us. It was uh, like we tried to do something nice, you know, something pretty nice. And uh, we just worked like maniacs. We worked for about three months and a half, I think, pretty much seven days a week. And we and, had help uh, from my family and my brother. And yeah, stuff. we had some some help too, and uh, it was yeah, it was it was intense because uh, um, nothing is square in a van. The walls are rounded out a little bit; they're curving in, and it's there's there's no straight line. So every single inch of the build is a crazy puzzle to solve. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not ready to do. Another one of those anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, if a van manufacturer is listening, they should just start making square vans. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Why not? No. Square vans. <laughs> and also, I mean, in certain spots in our van, the metal, you just, you couldn't drill into it. So we had to find other ways of attaching things. Oh, yeah. And also our van had some leaks. Um, for some reason, the Ford is designed to have water leak in and then drain out of the walls. But since we were putting insulation in there, we didn't want that. So we had to spend a lot of hours hosing the van down and tracking down leaks and Testing blocking leaks, them and yeah. stuff. So well, we bought of, a used van. So maybe that, that might happen. be why. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was really challenging, but as soon as we spent our first night in the van, it was all worth it. You know, I kind of, we haven't had a kid, but we kind of compared it to childbirth. Like, you know, we went through this huge, painful process of building the van. And then as soon as you get in the van, you forget all about it and you just enjoy oh, what great. you have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and how is the van heated or do you not have heat because you're not in there in the winter? Oh, no, we definitely put heat because uh, even if we're not in it in the winter, we're in it like until it's zero pretty degrees. early in the spring, which can still be very cold here. And then pretty late in the in the fall, which can be. Um, uh, we can have like below freezing temperatures often do. So we installed a, a Webasto heater. So it's, it's a heater that's plugged directly into the gas tank. Oh, uh, it's like forced neat. air heat. I've, I've heard of those that can run off diesel, but I'm guessing that your Ford is a, is gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. They can run off gas too. That's so cool. Yeah, there's a there is a diesel Webasto, and then you we paid a little bit extra. The gas one's a bit more pricey, um, but maybe only a few hundred dollars. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really easy. It's got a little thermostat so you can just turn it on before you go to bed, mm-hmm. set it to the temperature you want, and then it'll just turn it on and off. Um, so you don't have to kind of wake up and turn it on if you get cold, it'll just maintain that yeah. temperature yeah, all night. Nice. And, um, it's plugged into a battery as well, just for the fan, but it, yeah, it works really well. Um, we used it a little bit this fall before we stored the van for the winter and, uh, yeah. We use it a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, we use it a lot. Fantastic. So you've stored the van for the winter, and now did you mention that you're house sitting? Uh, this winter, uh, at the start of the winter, we went to uh, to Europe. We went to Portugal, and uh, we f- we had a little filming uh, trip uh, planned. So we filmed um, six videos there, and uh, and now we got back uh, just right after New Year's. And uh, we're probably going to house it. Yeah, we might house it for a couple months. Yeah, we just wanted to have a little bit of time. It was the first time we took a vacation in a long time, actually. Because I don't know about you, but when you're self-employed, it's it's tough to stop working. So we sort of forced ourselves to stop working for two weeks. We were in Spain, and then we went to Portugal and filmed a bunch of off-grid cabins that we fell in love with. We found them online, and we decided we wanted to kind of check those out, too. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I travel a lot. So it looks like I'm on vacation, but you're right. I almost never stop working on things. So it never totally feels like vacation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm curious, um, you know, we hear a lot about tiny house legalization in the United States and Appendix Q and, you know, laws that are changing and towns that are becoming tiny house friendly. I'm curious if you can tell us about the tiny house scene in Canada. Yeah. Um, the tiny house scene in Canada is pretty active. Um, we've seen tiny houses in pretty much every province and territory up here. Um, there's a few uh, tiny house communities that have formed as well. Um, and those seem to be doing pretty well. Some of them are still being built. Um, some of them are still sorting out kind of the you know, the legalese and how it's all going to work and stuff. But there is a lot of demand and a lot of interest in tiny houses. And we also know quite a few people who have either built tiny houses on pieces of land um, and they're not quite legal. So they're just kind of tucked away. And a lot of the people that are living in tiny houses, we actually haven't filmed because they want to maintain their privacy and they don't want to risk being found out. So probably, you know, more than half of the people we've met, we haven't been able to film um, and share their story for that reason. Um, which is unfortunate. And then, yeah, a lot of people found really neat places to park it either in, you know, like a family or family members or friends backyard Mm -hmm. um, in uh, RV parks and stuff like that. So things are changing. There's a lot of demand for it. And I think it's a really interesting um, housing option. I do think it can be challenging in Canada. And one of the problems that we have heard from a lot of tiny housers is that their uh, drain pipes will freeze in the winter and their water pipes will freeze and same thing with their kind of black water pipes. So I think those three things, because it tends, the pipes tend to be exposed under the house before they can, you know, get onto the ground or whatever. Um, that seems to be a problem, but people are finding new solutions by wrapping like heat tape around it and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I think in terms of legalization, I would like to see, uh, tiny houses, being accepted in more places, but I also think it's really important to do the research first to make sure that it's done properly. Um, especially if people are going to bring their tiny houses into an urban area. Um, and we deal with this in our van as well, but dealing with waste is really important and disposing of your 
you know, the stuff in your toilet. Like you don't want your neighbor just dumping that in the yard. Um, It's like it can pose a public health issue. So we do think it's important that um, the proper infrastructure is in place um, before, you know, this sort of catches on and becomes too big. Are there any legalization efforts kind of underway in Canada? Um, I know in BC, there is the BC Tiny House Collective, and they're working closely with municipalities. Um, I think they've got at least a few dozen municipalities where they're speaking with the towns and the mayors and everything to kind of um, find out what their stance is on it and just basically start the conversation, find out if there's any areas where this would even be possible um, and what they would like, what the municipalities would need um, from tiny houses before, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to legalize it. So in BC, they're doing it in a really kind of, uh, methodical mm -hmm, way. They're doing a lot of research. Um, and then, you know, really speaking about it. And then in Quebec, there are two communities that we know of. There's one in Sherbrooke Mm -hmm. called Le Petit Quartier, and they are about to start building this spring, I think. And those won't be tiny houses on wheels, so they'll just be um, small, I think, 400-square-foot homes. And then there's another tiny house community in Lantier that we've visited a couple of times. Um, and that's still that's still developing. So there's, there's not much in eastern Canada. And is, I mean, it, the, in Canada in general, it seems a bit more spread out, and it's happening a little bit slower maybe than in the U.S. In the U.S., I seem to to see every once in a while that there's new towns and communities that are popping up that are um, to- like legalizing uh, living in tiny houses. Uh, but I think it'll, it'll develop in Canada. It might just be a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. One other interesting development is that even though tiny houses on wheels are not necessarily legal, um, accessory dwelling units and coach houses or whatever you want to call them, basically like a secondary smaller home in the backyard of a property are being legalized in a lot of cities across Mm -hmm. the country. And so that's really exciting. And I really like that because it's a more permanent uh, setup. Eventually it would be really nice if those smaller homes could be severed from the original property so that um, it would give the person living there the opportunity to be a homeowner as well and not just a tenant. Um, But it's a start to kind of densify urban areas and have more people living in areas where they can, you know, walk or bike to work and stuff like that. So there's definitely a lot of, um, small things going on, small changes, but uh, it takes time. Yeah. And in the U.S., it seems like there's less regulation, Mm -hmm. but that makes everything so fragmented. Okay. Like every single town has their own zoning code if they want that they adopt from the city or that they adopt from the state. Okay. And it sounds like in Canada, you know, if B.C. decides to legalize tiny houses, that could affect the entire province rather than like just one city uh no i think i think it would still be by city or by town unfortunately okay. but yeah, i think, think the that tiny i know the tiny house collective is trying to kind of work with different communities and i think their idea is to sort of make a, a template so if one town eventually legalizes them they'll be able to kind of you know make a template and show that to the other communities and say you know this is how you can do this this is working this is not working and and make it a lot easier for the movement to spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, it's still the same thing for us here, uh, municipality by municipality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you, kind of changing the subject, about something that I learned about in one of your videos, and that the video is called Living in a Tiny House Heated with Free Solar Power in Canada. Mm. And um, 
there was a man who had a solar air heater in his tiny house that basically collects solar energy and warms up the air. And I had never heard of one before. And I think I would be a great candidate for one. I'm curious if you've seen other tiny houses using those and if they do in fact live up to the claim that they are able to heat the tiny house completely. Uh, that's the only one, only tiny house we've seen that was heated with those uh, solar air heaters. Um, he, uh, the guy who lived in that house, claimed that uh, he, he had spent, I think, one winter. Or... Yeah, he spent a winter, and I think his heating, I haven't. The heating bill was extremely low. Like $100? Yeah, maybe? it was um, It was supplemented with um, another source of heat, I think electric or propane. And that source of heat was... Um, mostly for at night. Yeah, it was mostly for at night um, or long stretches of gray days. And apparently was not used much. So the, the solar air heater was really efficient in in providing a, a, a really good source of supplemental heat. Mm-hmm. And we um, have seen some people on YouTube, before we met him, um, we had seen people on YouTube building their own with like beer cans and glue and stuff. Um, And those people have also claimed that it can be an interesting source of heat. I think it wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't consider it a heat source per se, because um, first of all, it would only work half the day. Obviously you don't have any sun at night. So as soon as the sun goes down, you don't have it. Yeah. It can't be the only source of heat. No, but basically it would, uh, apparently it would just, and even during the day, it wouldn't necessarily be your only source of heat, but it would help sort of preheat the air to reduce the strain on whatever actual heat source you have. Um, we've, we also did a video, uh, with the person who manufactures them in Quebec. And, um, so we actually, you know, we were outside with one on a really cold day and, uh, we, you know, we put our hand on the back of the fan and we could feel that warm air was coming out of it, even though we were outside. I can't remember what the temperature was, but yeah. it was definitely below freezing. And, um, yeah, so it does work. Like it is blowing out some hot air. Um, but yeah, we haven't tested it out, but it's definitely something that we would consider ourselves if, oh, and sure, when yeah. we, uh, build our own, you know, micro cabin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely something that we would add to our home. Yeah. Just as a sub supplemental source of heat mm-hmm. it can't be just that obviously and the other thing that's nice that the person who makes them said was it can even be nice if you're going to be away from home and you don't necessarily want to uh you know like let's say you're heating with a fireplace you can't be there to uh yeah to, to keep the fire going but at least during the day that would prevent your home from freezing for example so it can be used yeah know. that's a great use for it yeah. yeah yeah and it doesn't take much power it's literally just a little bit of uh, power from the solar panel to keep the fan running and that's it. So. Yeah, that's what's cool. It just runs itself. Mm-hmm. Like there's a little solar panel that uh, that runs the fan and then and then it gathers heat from the from the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool technology. Well, not cool. It's hot. Mm-hmm. It's hot <laughs> yeah, technology. Yeah, it's hot. And I I thank you for for documenting it on your channel. Yeah, yeah. No problem. One thing that I like to ask all of my guests is what are two or three resources that helped you along on your tiny journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, Probably the number one resource would be Kristen Dirksen's YouTube channel. She was kind of the pioneer of sharing all of these like small houses 
and uh, alternative technologies and everything. And she's still going strong. We worked with her once and she's really inspired us um, over the years. And I feel like she really helped start this movement and make a lot of this information accessible to so many people. Yeah. Um, she was a really early adopter of YouTube and she's clearly passionate about alternative living and sustainable living. And so she's put out, I don't know, almost a thousand videos now. And that's just such a huge library of work and information. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that's definitely our favorite resource. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When we started looking into all this, it was, uh, she was that was, that was there. pretty much all there was as far as videos on, on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, I remember she put out, um, that documentary, we, the tiny house people, which was kind of a collection of some of her earlier videos. And, and it was the same for me that her videos were some of the only kind of documents about tiny houses on wheels that I had really seen. Yeah. Yeah. And they're cool videos. They're like long form. There's no music. So it's like a slower pace and you get to, you know, you get a feel for how, how it is to be in that particular place and yeah they're just they're they're just really fun to watch mm -hmm. and then i i think lloyd khan's books are really interesting yeah. too he's been documenting the whole movement for a long time as well um with his books and we used to have a couple of them but we gave them away when we downsized but we've seen them in almost everybody's house yeah <laughs> um so those are really inspiring too and just fun to look at you know and then i guess i mean just like you you've written a book about your uh tiny house build and we wrote a book about um, how to live in a van and I think so many people it's it's a lot easier now to kind of share your experience in the form of an ebook and often like a, if you're following a blogger or an instagrammer or a youtuber they may have written a book about what they're up to so just finding those resources that were written by someone that you uh, connect with or that you like whose project you liked um, it's another really great great way to find information that's specific to what you're looking for yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah, where can people find you online and where can they find your, your book? Um, you could find us on YouTube. That's where we're the most active. Um, and our YouTube channel is called Exploring Alternatives. And we also have a website called exploringalternatives.ca. And we've got an ebook about van life on there. But uh, we don't update the website as much as we should. We're going to start doing that again. Mm -hmm. So definitely follow us on YouTube, I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Danielle and Matt, thank you so much for being guests on the show today. This was really fun. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, it was great chatting with you. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. I'm sad that it's over. <laughs> thank you so much to Danielle and Matt for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including links to all the resources that Danielle and Matt mentioned over at thetinyhouse.net slash 045. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 045. Please keep your positive feedback or, or any feedback coming. I love hearing from you, and I especially love when people leave reviews of the show in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. You can leave a review for the show by heading over to thetinyhouse.net slash iTunes. That will bring you right over to Apple Podcasts where you can leave your review. And if you have not yet subscribed to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, I'd like to encourage you to do so. The show is available in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere where you get your podcasts, you'll find the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. 
The show is free to subscribe to, and by subscribing, you will receive each episode as it comes out on Friday morning. So I hope you'll subscribe, I hope you'll leave a review, and most of all, I hope you enjoyed today's show. That's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.